Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm Jack Baca, pastor of the Village Church in Rancho Santa Fe, and this is the first lesson of our new winter and spring series of studies of Paul's letter to the Romans. I'm glad you're joining us. For the next 16 or 17 weeks or so, we are going to be leading you through a consideration of what many consider to be one of the most influential letters, not only of Scripture, but of all history. And so let's think a little bit about Paul's letter to the Romans. If you have been part of the Christian community at all, you realize that Paul was an extremely influential and important apostle of Jesus Christ. He had not spent time with Jesus, as did the original 12 disciples or the original 12 apostles, but Paul was called in a unique and special way after the resurrection to serve Jesus. That story is told in detail in the book of the Acts of the Apostles. What we do know is that Paul was a Pharisee, a very special uh, category or class, if you will, of Jews. Uh, he was one who had deeply, deeply studied uh, the history and the scripture of the Jewish people, and he was incredibly serious about his following uh, Yahweh, the God of the Jews. Paul had been converted and began to understand who Jesus was, and he had begun to follow Jesus. And because of his deep understanding of the Old Testament and then his introduction to Jesus, he became uh, the first great interpreter, if you will, the first great explainer of who Jesus of Nazareth, the resurrected one, was and is as the Christ or the Messiah of God. Paul wrote many letters to the early church. We have some of them. Surely there were more. But in his letters to the early church, we have timeless and influential theology that, of course, has influenced the life of the Christian church ever since the church began. Within Paul's writings, we have not just all of these amazing theological statements and this incredible affirmation uh, of the truth that we know about God from the beginning of time and then especially in Jesus, but we have that theology, if you will, discussed with a particular purpose in mind, and that particular purpose is to strengthen the local church, is to introduce Jesus to people so that they will follow him, and then to explain what it means to follow Jesus, and by way of extension then to explain the nature of all of reality. So Paul was a pastor and a theologian who was building the life of the early church, one by one, group by group, city by city. Now, as we're reading Paul's letter to the Romans, many people simply refer to this as Romans, but we need to remember it was a pastoral letter to a church, a congregation of Christian folks in the city of Rome. And of course, most people know at least the fact that Rome was the capital of the Roman Empire. Rome was the center of the world that Paul inhabited. It was the political, military, economic, theological, cultural capital of Paul's world. Everything centered in Rome. And so, 
it would be understandable that this letter that Paul writes to the church in Rome is of crucial importance in the development of the early church. And that's one of the reasons the letter itself has become so influential. Paul's main topic as he's writing to the church in Rome is to think about the nature of the relationship between the creature, human beings like you and me, and our Creator and God. Now that's a huge topic to consider, but Paul manages to boil all of that down into just a few dozen pages of very, very densely packed theological description and discussion. Before we dive into the text of the letter itself, we need to understand a little bit more about the cultural context into which Paul was writing. We need to understand something about the world that Paul inhabited, especially from a philosophical or theological point of view. The world that Paul lived in, of course, was dominated not by Christianity, not by Islam, not by Judaism, but by different philosophical and theological systems of thought that had been essentially developed by the Greeks and then adopted and expanded by the Romans in the Western world, of course, is what we're talking about. One of the major theories or philosophical ways of looking at the world was through what we call Platonism, based on the work of Plato. This idea of Platonism was that the world essentially has two realities, the material reality and the spiritual reality. We understand when we look around, we see the material everywhere, and then we also understand the spiritual, that which cannot be seen, but that which is known through our minds and through our hearts. For the Platon Platonistic, if you will, way of looking at things. There's the material world, which is essentially uh, corrupt. It is imperfect, and it drags us down. But then there's the spiritual world, which is good and beautiful and wonderful, and all of life is kind of a battle between the material and the spiritual. In addition to Platonism, there was a philosophy called Stoicism. We get the word Stoic from that. Stoicism believed that in order to live the good life, in order to live the moral life, in order to be the best person you could be, that you had to deny the things of the material world, that you had to move yourself away from trying to, to fulfill the, the needs of your appetites and the enjoyment of the physical world and move more into a simply spiritual kind of existence. That was Stoicism that said the material was bad, but the spiritual was good, and the best thing you could do would be to get away from the spiritual world. Kind of opposite of Stoicism was a philosophy or a worldview that was called hedonism. It's also a word that is sometimes used in our modern discourse. Hedonism said that the real point of life was to simply enjoy the physical world to the hilt, who knew what was going to go on after that? Who knew if there even was anything after this physical life? And so a hedonist would try to answer all the needs and bodily appetites of a human being and just enjoy everything, sort of an eat, drink, and be merry because tomorrow we die and who knows what happens after that. And so on the one hand, Stoicism said, get away from the world. Don't worry about the appetites of the world. Hedonism said, bring it on. Let's enjoy it. 
Well, in addition to those three dominant worldviews, Paul, of course, came from out of the context of Judaism, especially rabbinic Judaism, the Judaism, the Judaism developed by the rabbis in Paul's time. The Jewish faith emphasized the fact that there was one God who had created all things. God created the material as well as the spiritual. The material and the spiritual are meant to be an expression of God and the place within which human beings live. Material and spiritual are both good things, and God means to redeem and renew all of those things. For the people of Paul's day, there was a great deal of discussion about the covenant that God had made between himself and human beings, a covenant expressed in the rainbow of the great flood and the covenant expressed in God's love for David and the Davidic kingdom, a covenant then that Paul would later say uh, is, is uh, completely expressed and comprehended in Jesus, the, the new Messiah. Rabbinic Judaism also stressed the importance of the prophets. The fact that the God all through all through Jewish history, Paul had given Paul God had given uh, certain people a special spiritual understanding of things, and they were the prophets, and they continually talked about God's control of history and about how no matter uh, what it seemed to be going on in the world, that God was making things move from point A to point B. God created everything. God continued to exist with everything. God was with His people as He called them, and God was bringing history to its fulfillment and its appointed conclusion uh, now in the life of the church as it followed Jesus. So the other, the last one, I know this is a huge discussion of major things pretty quickly. The last major philosophy, if you will, it wasn't so much a religion, but a philosophy of life that was dominant in Paul's day and that shaped everything that Paul talked about and everything that people would understand as Paul wrote to them and talked to them was Gnosticism, G-N-O-S-T-I-C. I-S-M. G-N-O-S-T-I-C-I-S-M. I should never try to spell on camera. <laughs> Gnosticism uh, was this idea that, that the best the human being could do was to gain knowledge about the world. In fact, that's where the world knowledge comes from. Gnosis, the Greek word, is the root of knowledge. Our job is to learn the truth about the world, to learn about reality. And as we learn the truth, we learn that we sort of, we human beings, live in this, this place, this junction between material and spiritual, and that as we learn more about the spiritual world, uh, that we become better beings. Uh, that's, uh, that's a very quick summary of Gnosticism. We'll, we'll learn more about that as we continue through the study in the weeks ahead of us. But the, those were some of the dominant worldviews of, of, of Paul's time, and, and the, the, the world into which Paul was now writing about this Jesus character who had appeared in this tiny, insignificant, out-of-the-way sort of place called Palestine, called Israel. So, with that background understanding, and we'll refer more to that as we go through Romans, let's talk about how Paul begins his letter. We're looking at the first 13 verses only of the first chapter of Paul's letter. In the first several verses, Paul gives an introduction, if you will, to his fundamental message. 
And you could do worse than to study those first five or six verses and just say, this is, is the summary uh, of what Paul understands uh, about all of the world and what Paul wants us to understand, especially about who Jesus is. Paul believes that Jesus of Nazareth, now the one we call Jesus the Messiah or the Christ, that Jesus stands at the center point of all of the history that God had created for all of humanity. He was the turning point or the fulcrum, if you will, between an old age and the new age. Jesus is the beginning of a new thing that God is doing, a thing that God is doing to restore all creation back to its original design and its original purpose and its original beauty and perfection. Jesus is the one who, in another way of talking about it, ushers in the kingdom of God. All of these concepts will become more clear as we continue through the letter. So this is who Jesus is. That's one of Paul's major focuses. Who is Jesus? What was Jesus all about? What was going on with Jesus? Jesus is God himself with us and the beginning of a whole new thing. Everything has changed. Everything has shifted. And then, of course, it's not just about Jesus, but about who are we then? What are we supposed to do with this fact that Jesus has appeared on the scene? Well, of course, we are creatures of God. We're created by God. We, as creatures, must find something outside of ourselves to follow. There has to be something in charge. We're not in charge. We're not in control. Who is in charge? Who is in control? Who sets the parameters and the rules for how human life is meant to be lived? Well, it's God, of course, and God especially through Jesus. And so one of Paul's major, major arguments is that you and I and all other human beings need to get to know who Jesus is, and then we need to follow Jesus and make him the Lord, make him the one who directs and guides and informs every single thing about us and about our lives. Now, that's a very quick summary of the things that Paul says in those opening verses of the letter. It's uh, 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 the, the verses, the, de the description that Paul uses uh, in these opening verses uh, are, are very similar uh, to most other letters that would be written during Paul's day. That's why we call it a letter, for, for one thing. Uh, letters followed a particular form. You know, when we write a letter, we say, Dear so-and-so, how are you? I'm fine. And then you get on to the rest of the body of the letter. Well, Paul begins by saying, I'm Paul. It's just me, Paul, writing this letter. I, Paul, am writing this letter to you. I, Paul, am a servant. I'm a slave of Jesus Christ. That word servant and slave is kind of a, the, it's the same word in Greek, the word doulos. We don't like to use the word slave these days. Servant maybe is a better way to look at that. But Paul essentially means that I am one who is controlled. I'm following Jesus. Jesus is, is the one who is the Lord and master of my life. I'm also an apostle. I'm a messenger of Christ. That's what apostle means. Uh, I follow Jesus. He is the one who directs and controls my life, and I am his messenger. I'm telling news about him. Jesus has set me apart. He has commissioned me to tell the news about who he is. That's the whole idea that infused all of Paul's life was this idea that he had to go and tell the whole world and explain to the whole world about what God had done in Jesus because that's the best news that the whole world could ever learn. 
So Paul is commissioned, he's set apart to tell us the news about Jesus. And of course, as Paul is writing to this church in Rome, they're going to read that and say, oh, maybe we've heard about Paul. He's the guy that goes around and preaches and teaches about Jesus. And, and they're also meant to understand that Paul knows something about Jesus, that they better pay attention to what he has to say. So Paul is writing, though, for a very specific and particular reason. Now, most of the letters that we have that Paul wrote were to churches that he had founded or to churches that he had visited. He was writing to the Thessalonians or the Galatians uh, because he knew those folks and knew the situation of the churches. In the case of Rome, though, it's very different. Paul had never been to Rome. Paul had received a call, a vision from God that he believed that he was meant to go to Rome, and then after spending some time in Rome, that he was meant to go on further to the west. Now, we know that Paul never got there. Paul did get to Rome. He was taken there as a prisoner of the Roman Empire, and he would be executed in Rome. But Paul believes at this point in his life that he's meant to go on further. So he's writing to the Romans to introduce himself to them, to introduce them not just to who he was as a person, but especially to introduce his theology, his way of understanding Jesus. Paul talks about the gospel of God, how it's rooted in the past, how it's rooted in the prophets, how it's about the Son of God, how it's about the Davidic, uh, the, 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 uh, the uh, fulfillment of the, the Davidic kingdom. Uh, Paul writes about how Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one, the, the Lord who is the crux of, of all humanity. In all of that, Paul is describing who he is and the gospel message that he wants to proclaim all the way out into the Roman Empire. He wants the Roman church to know that he understands who Jesus is and what the gospel is. And eventually what he wants is for the Roman church to support his missionary journey. In a way, this is a, a stewardship letter. It's a fundraising letter, uh, though it never really explicitly says that in so many words. And so Paul begins with a phrase that I often use in uh, beginning my time with you. I used it earlier uh, in this study. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace. Grace was the way that people from the Gentile or the Greek-speaking world uh, would, would greet each other. They would say grace, uh, you know, way of saying uh, uh, grace to you. It's a, it's a way of saying hello that extends uh, shalom, if you will, uh, not shalom, but uh, what's the word I'm trying to think of? Uh, aloha, that's the word I'm trying to think of, aloha, right? Aloha, love and grace to you. But then peace, and that is the word shalom. That, that word comes from uh, the Jewish world. It means peace, the peace of God to you. So when Paul says grace and peace, He's saying hello to the Roman Christians um, in a way that, that Gentiles would use and in a way that, that Jews would use. So Paul wants to come and share 
the gospel and share uh, spiritual knowledge with the Roman Christians. He wants to learn from them as well. He's very wise in that way. He doesn't say that he's the only one who knows anything about God, the only one who knows anything about uh, theological truth. He says, I want to come and share with you what I know. I also want to learn from you. We will mutually encourage and strengthen each other as we learn about the faith that we share in Jesus Christ and, and how that plays itself out in the world. And so this is the way Paul begins his letter. He introduces himself to the Roman Christians. He is planning to come see them. He wants them to know a little bit about who he is and what's going on before he comes. In this introduction of himself, he, he in a sense, uh, shows, he, he lays his cards on the table. He tips his hand and he says, I believe that Jesus is the unique Son of God, and that in Jesus, God has done something amazing and magnificent that changes everything in the nature of human beings' relationship with God. And I want to come and share that with you. And so that's the beginning of the letter, and that's enough for us to look at for today. I have a couple of questions for you, though. They're included in the notes that some of you may have seen. If you were going to write, for instance, if you were going to write a letter to someone that you've never met before, but it was an introduction of who you are to tell them about yourself, what would you say about yourself? What would you say about what you believe about the most important theological truths that exist? What do you believe about God? What do you believe about yourself? What do you believe about what we're supposed to do in the world? Not only that, but, but, but what would you do as you describe your life's work to people? What would you say to them is, is the meaning and purpose of your life? Those are a couple of the questions that are helpful to think about as you think about uh, Paul's letter to the Romans, because they're going to shape everything else that Paul says, and they're going to shape the way that we understand this letter to the Romans. And then finally, let's think about mutual encouragement. Paul wants very much to develop a deep and abiding friendship and relationship, a fellowship with the church in Rome as he has with other churches in the Roman Empire. And so I would ask you, how do we mutually encourage each other? That's part of what this Bible study is all about, is mutual encouragement, Share with the, sharing with each other uh, about the truth that we know about Jesus and the lives that we live in, in trying to follow Jesus, uh, trying to help teach each other, to encourage each other, to, to strengthen each other, to, to help each other understand the world so that we can do a better job of living in this world. Well, that's plenty for us to bite off in this first study. I'm looking forward to continuing the study with you and looking forward to having some great theological conversation in this way. And I hope you'll take advantage of some of the small groups that we offer through both the, well, all three, the La Costa Glen Bible Study, the Women's Wednesday Bible Study, and the Men's Thursday Bible Study. We hope all of you will be part of those Zoom uh, experiences or simply listening to these messages. And we are looking forward, of course, to that time when we can be together again personally with each other. So until we meet again, God bless. Good to be with you.